All right. Hey, grab your Bible or your phone uh, and turn to the Gospel of Luke. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, if you are a guest here in person or tuning in online, we're just we're grateful to share this time and this space uh, with you. Uh, we have been having a fun time over the last six weeks talking about words and phrases that we use in church that are not always explained. And in the first week, I used this illustration of moving up to Whidbey Island and getting to know some Navy families and uh, talking to my Navy friend who used a lot of acronyms and slang that made no sense to me. If, you've, if that's an experience you've had, you know what I'm talking about. And it sounded really cool, but I couldn't follow. And that's the same thing can happen in the church where uh, we, we come in and we hear a bunch of words and phrases that are not explained, and then it's hard to follow. And so we've been defining and explaining things like sin, salvation, baptism, sovereignty, sanctification, uh, and holiness. Last week, uh, if you didn't, weren't with us last week, Zach Sahel preached on holiness, and it was an incredible message. Uh, so I would recommend going back and listening to that uh, if, if you didn't get a chance to. I've enjoyed preparing each one of these sermons. It's been a lot of fun. But the thing that I've most enjoyed actually is listening to the conversation in the foyer after service and the conversations that are happening throughout the week uh, about some of these concepts that are very familiar to many of us, but we haven't really engaged conversation around them. So that's been really beautiful to watch. And the church, is, it's really meant to be that. It's meant to be a place where, where believers, we as followers of Jesus, are working out our faith in community. We're growing in what it looks like to fully trust Jesus with our entire, entire lives. And, and these, these few moments that we have on a Sunday morning, are, they just play a supportive role to that journey of you following Jesus and learning to trust him. Uh, today we're concluding the series. And then next weekend, we're going to have the director of Foursquare Missions International with us, Ted Vale, uh, come and share about what's going on in Foursquare and the missions world. And uh, we had him last year, a couple years ago. And he's, he's, uh, he's an incredible man and follower of Jesus. We're lucky because he lives locally, so he's able to join us from Mount Vernon. Today, we're going to talk about the term gospel. Everyone say gospel. Say with a little, say with a little umph, gospel. gospel. There we go. Hopefully you're familiar with this term. If you've been in church, hopefully you've heard the term gospel. Uh, I'm not sure that you were in a church if you didn't hear the term gospel, uh, because this is what literally what we gather around every single weekend. Gospel. The, the Greek word is euangelizo, uh, which. There you go. You can use. <laughs> For those that speak Greek this morning, uh, the, none of you. Uh, so in your Bible, you have the, the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are, are known as gospels. Or another way of saying it is the good news according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So they're, they're sharing the good news of who Jesus was uh, through their eyes, through their experience with him. And I think it's safe to say that, that all of us like getting good news. Everybody, anybody like getting good news? Yeah, I like getting good news. And, and good news can come in a variety of ways. Uh, there's a lot of different ways we experience getting good news, receiving good news. Uh, the term gospel, it actually wasn't a, a new thing to the world that Jesus showed up to. Uh, good news, 
the term gospel, it wasn't foreign to the Greco-Roman world that he entered. Whenever a Roman emperor would conquer a new territory, they would send heralds throughout the region to proclaim the good news, that the kingdom of Rome had advanced, that they'd taken more territory. And so these people would literally run through the streets singing, we've won another battle, we've, we've won another victory, the kingdom of Rome is expanding. And the people would celebrate, depending on how they felt about Rome. Uh, they would celebrate the good news. So this wasn't foreign concept to the people that Jesus came to. And, and when we receive good news, we, we rejoice as well. Uh, some bigger levels than others. Let me give you some examples. When, when, when have you received good news? Think about a time that you've received good news. This could range from, uh, if you're a student today, this could be a, a good grade on something you worked hard on. Like, oh, that was good news, you got that. It, it could be you got accepted into a school or maybe you got a raise at your job. Maybe you got a job. Maybe, uh, maybe a, a child's friend was born or you closed on a house. There's a lot of different ways that you experience good news. And, and all of these things are worth celebrating. Like, wow, oh, that's good news. But there's certain things that carry more weight than others. Isn't that true? The impact of good news, it, it seems to be correlated with how much we need the good news. How much we need it. So I'll give you a couple examples to explain what I mean. Let's say after church today, um, you drove to Burlington uh, to get some new shoes. And think about your favorite shoe store in Burlington, or maybe it's here on the island. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> So you drive to Burlington, you go to your favorite shoe store, and you show up, and, and you go through the aisles, and you find a pair of shoes that you like, and you're excited about that, and you take it to the counter to, to purchase this pair of shoes, and the cashier looks at you and says, guess what? It's 50% off shoes day. That is good news, right? Like, whoa, had no idea. That's awesome. I was planning on spending 50 bucks, 100 bucks, and I'm spending half of that. That is amazing good news. Now, that kind of good news um, affects you. But let me give you another scenario. Let's say uh, that you're now sitting in the waiting room in the hospital because a family member is undergoing surgery and they've been under the knife for hours. So you're sitting in the waiting room, tense, <laughs> uncertain, and you're just waiting for the, maybe this is very fresh for some of you, maybe you've gone through it this week. You're waiting for those doors to open, and, and you're waiting to, to read the body language of the doctor to know if they are heralds of good news or not. Wouldn't you say that that kind of good news carries more weight than a discount pair of shoes. The good news that we're going to talk about today is weighty good news. It, it carries eternal weight, actually, which is about the heaviest kind of good news <laughs> that you can have. Because the gospel, it was brought to a people who are in desperate need, desperate need. 
This is the story of the scriptures of people who went sideways and were hopelessly spiraling in the error of their ways. It's a story of humanity, of people who have, we've missed the mark. And, and then we scratch and we claw our way towards significance and meaning, but we can't find it in our efforts because it'll never be found there. This is, this is who we are as a people today. This is still true in the world we live in. And some of us are aware of this reality that we desperately are in need of good news. And some of us are not aware that we actually need the good news. And this truth is woven throughout the entirety of human history. Let's turn to chapter two of Luke now. We're going to look at how this plays out with Jesus in the gospel of Luke. And we're going to start at the very beginning. Uh, Chapter two, this is the birth story of Jesus. You're familiar with this if you've ever been to a Christmas service or watched a Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, You're probably more familiar with it from Charlie Brown Christmas, I would say, because that voice of the person reading it. Anyway, Luke two. Verse 8, here's the story. And and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. news. That's the word. (laughs) Euangelizo. Of great joy, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So so the moment that Jesus came to us, the moment that, that he was born on this earth, the angels announced that good news had arrived. Good news is here. Who Jesus was and what he was coming to do was good news. For who? Good news for all people. Now flip forward two chapters, chapter four. Um, Between chapter two and four, a lot of time has passed. We're We're up to Jesus being about 30 years of age. This follows his baptism. Uh, And then he's out in the wilderness. He faces off with the devil. And he emerges again into the synagogue, uh, which is what we experience today as the church. And here's what he had to say. The, The reading for that day in the temple was from the prophet Isaiah. And Jesus reads the text. And then he connects himself to the prophetic words of Isaiah. Here it is, chapter 4, starting in verse 18. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you continue to read this text, when, when he finished reading this, he went and sat down and everyone's kind of like, what is happening right now? And Jesus says, this prophecy is, is being fulfilled right now. He, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is where he's connecting himself. He's saying, this was written about what I'm 
here to do. In other words, he's saying, you are looking at good news. You're observing good news. Everything that I'm going to do, everything you're going to watch me do, is the good news being embodied on this earth. Pay attention. The good news. Now, before we move on, notice who the good news was for in this prophecy from Isaiah. The good news was for the poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. To those who were were trapped with little hope, to those who were helpless and taken advantage of, to those who were overlooked, to those who were stuck in the grip of sin, the good news came to them. And Jesus came to proclaim good news to all people who knew they needed to be rescued. Here's my point. The good news is not good news to those who do not recognize they need the good news. The good news is not good news to those who don't recognize they need the good news. It just reiterates my point from earlier. The weight of good news is directly connected to knowing that you actually need it. It's interesting, if you follow the story of Jesus, the people most resistant to his teaching... The people most resistant to the good news were the people who did not think they needed it. The people who had it figured out already. The religious people. The people who knew God. And when Jesus showed up, they said, sorry, you're messing up our stuff. So they couldn't receive Jesus. They couldn't receive what he had to say. They couldn't accept the good news. They couldn't receive what he came to do. Friends, this is the danger for us today as followers of Jesus. If you've surrendered your life to Christ and you've been a part of the church for any length of time, it can be very easy for your heart to drift away from a place of desperate need of Jesus in every moment. You can actually start to think, I've got this kind of handled. I got this dialed in. I got this Christianity thing figured out. It's subtle, but it can be very dangerous. Jesus, he referred to these religious folks as whitewashed tombs. Meaning, wow, you look so pretty on the outside. But there's death and decay on the inside. Wow. On the other hand, people who are desperate for Jesus, remember, go back to Isaiah, the poor, the captives, those that were oppressed, the people that were desperate for Jesus, they had hearts to receive the good news. And guess what happened with them? Their lives were changed. (laughs) They were set free, they were transformed, they were healed sick were made well. Those who were oppressed were were set free. Their lives were changed forever by the good news. Now, this presents an interesting dilemma uh, to those of us who have grown up in affluence. And I'm going to assume it's everybody in this room and, and just about everybody listening online. 
To grow up in affluence is a beautiful thing and it's a blessing, but it can be a problem as well. And this is true for many countries, not just ours, but this is where we live. So we're far from poor. And, and we're not captive, we take captives. We're not blind, we've got vision. <laughs> we, we've got leadership ability, we've got insight. We're not oppressed, we take out the oppressors. What do we really need? See where this can get dangerous? We seem to be fine taking care of ourselves. Unfortunately, and again, I'll just speak for where we live, the American dream seems to have had a greater impact on our understanding of God than Jesus himself. The good news in our context seems to be more connected to bigger, faster, stronger, more influential, more independent, more powerful, more visionary. It's more focused on conquering than in admitting needs and surrendering. I'm guessing you can see that that's true. And there's far too much history written where the church, the people of God, have misunderstood their role and attempted to fulfill the role of savior, which quickly turns into things like crusades, conquering enemies, and advancing power and control. Just read history. It's a misunderstanding of the gospel. So, can we do ourselves a favor and do the world a favor by spending more time exploring who Jesus was and what he came to accomplish than applying our cultural expectations and ideas of what it means to win onto Jesus, proclaiming that he's carrying the flag for our missions? Let's spend more time with Jesus, amen? amen. There's one Savior, his name's Jesus. And so the question, back to what we talked about earlier, do we know our need for the good news? Are we aware, one, that it has come to us in Jesus, but two, we are in need of a Savior. We have brokenness that's beyond our ability to fix. Jesus does a way better job of explaining this. Turn with me to Luke 18. We're going to jump all over Luke today. Luke 18 uh, He's a masterful teacher, which makes sense because he's God. Um, Luke 18. <laughs> Here's the story. Uh, Luke 18, verse 9. He's telling a parable. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. You ready? <laughs> he says this, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector over here. <laughs> I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, 
would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus paints this powerful contrast between a man who knows he needs to be saved and a man who thinks he has his life together. A woman who knows she needs to be saved and a woman who thinks that she has her life together. I'll say it again, the good news is not good news to those who do not recognize they need the good news. There's humility in accepting, I need help. How many of you are great at saying that? (laughs) I wonder if this is the reason that we tend to encounter God or experience God in some of the most tragic moments of our lives. At least in these moments, we cry out to God. Even people who don't believe in God or trust in God cry out to God when the wheels fall off, right? It's like, God, come and save me. God, come and help me. Because there's finally a recognition. I need to be saved. I need help. This is beyond me. In these moments, our hearts become soft and receptive. We recognize without God's intervention, we're in trouble. Friends, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Without God's intervention, which he did intervene, thank you, Jesus, without his intervention, we're in trouble. If you've done any uh, coaching or training, maybe at at work or uh, in your business or parenting is the same, You've experienced these relational dynamics. We, we use phrases like teachable and coachable. You're familiar with these terms? People who know that they need help, they need to be coached, and, and they're receptive to it. If you've ever worked with somebody in your life that's not teachable and not coachable, is that awesome? <laughs> it's not very enjoyable. Why? Because you have something to actually offer somebody. You can see, I think about this with my kids. When you're a kid and you get stuck in something, it's easy to get hyper-focused on the problem. And even a parent can be there saying, I can help you. And you're saying, I can figure it out. We're just like kids. All of us are like kids. We get hyper-focused on the problem and we forget that the God of the universe is actually present with us where we can just say, Lord, I need you we get hyper-focused on trying to fix it ourselves. It's about the receptivity to the help that's been offered. Uh, Again, uh, Jesus came with good news, and it was good news to all people who would receive him, who would receive what he came to bring. Again, Jesus is a better teacher. Let's go to Luke chapter 8, go backwards. told you we're going to jump all over the place. Uh, You're probably familiar with this story too. This is the parable of the sower. It all ties in. Again, if you look at the the whole body of Jesus' teaching, it all makes sense together. (laughs) He's pretty good at that. Uh, Chapter 8, verse 4. It says, when a a great crowd was gathering and people from the town or after, uh, after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. What do you think the seed was? The gospel. 
the good news. So sower went out to seed to, to sow the seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the disciples later, he ends up going on and explaining this. It's, it's a parable about receptivity. It's a parable about the soil of the heart. And the goodness of God to, to lavishly spread the good news. I mean, he did, it's on all soils. He, he lavishly pours out his love to all people, but not all receive it. So the good news is available to you today. Jesus knows your name. He knows your story. He knows your need today. In more detail than you even have. And his desire is to meet you where you are with the good news of his love, his grace, his forgiveness. It's available. He who has ears, let him hear. I had the privilege of sharing the good news with someone this week. We had uh, just a friend come into the office, um, and they were just in a tough spot. And it was, it was probably one of the first moments where they were finally accepting the, the fragility, how fragile life really was. So the soil was soft. And, and they were receptive because they understood what the situation that I'm in is so far beyond me. I can't think my way beyond this. I can't work my way beyond this. I can't. It's beyond me. Complete lack of control. And, and this individual is losing sleep and was filled with anxiety. They were familiar with faith. They, they understood faith, but they weren't a part of a, a, a community at all. And I got to share the good news that Jesus is not oblivious to fear and suffering and pain and hardship. He's well aware of what's going on in, in our lives and in this broken world that we live in. He's well aware that we don't have any control over our lives. But we have the opportunity to receive grace from the one who does. This is what I shared with my friend. And you know what his response was? Okay, what do I have to do? And in that moment, I was like, I've like heard this in the book of Acts before. It was a total God moment, and I'm not taking any credit for it. The Spirit of God was working. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. But I knew Jesus, and I knew that the answer was Jesus, and I shared Jesus. <laughs> and we prayed together. It was beautiful. Our confidence is, is not in tomorrow being secure. Our confidence is in King Jesus, who walks us securely into tomorrow. That's where our confidence comes from. I have no idea what tomorrow is going to be, but I don't worry about tomorrow because King Jesus is control over all things. And if he's with me, I'm going to be just fine. This is the good news of the gospel. He comes to you. He get, he's given his life for you. You're, you're broken. You can't save yourself. You can't right the ship. You can't make things right. You accept that in humility. This is where I'm at and I need help 
And he enters in and gives you all the grace that you need. What a gift to know the love of Jesus. So a couple things to consider uh, in regards to the good news. Worship team, you guys can come on up. The first is, have you personally received the good news? And I mean personally. Not, not through a spouse, not, not through a family member, not through a neighbor. I think I spent a lot of time, because I grew up in the church, I spent a lot of time participating in the church and not knowing Jesus. Because it wasn't personal. I was living through somebody else's faith. It's a personal thing. Have you received the good news? Have you, have you acknowledged my life on my terms is not, is not the best life. <laughs> and if Jesus came to proclaim good news to those who were stuck, if he truly is Lord of the universe, king over all creation, and this God over all things personally knows my name and loves me, have you received that good news for you personally? Have you, have you confessed? Yes, Jesus is Lord. He's king. My way isn't working. And I want to live with him and for him. There's a new king in town. His name's Jesus, and he offers forgiveness and healing to all who will receive him. So have you accepted it? If you've not accepted the good news uh, in your life, there may be a reason why you are here this morning. Or there may be a reason that you tune into Facebook or YouTube, just maybe randomly. Or maybe you've been tuning in for a long time, and yet you, still, you haven't received, accepted the good news for yourself. I don't think there's coincidences in those types of... God is he's pretty amazing at ordering our steps. And so you may be here because he's calling your name and saying... I am the answer. And today you want to call on his name and say, I want to make him Lord of my life. And the only thing that's required is confessing. He's Lord. Turning away, the, the idea of repentance is turning away from the things that you've tried to sink into that maybe will right the ship for you or maybe just keep you numbed out of life. It's to turn away from those things and to say, Jesus, you are the answer. Maybe that's, maybe it's going to be a good day for you today. If you're making that decision today, I'll tell you what your next step is already to get water baptized. We're doing it in a couple weeks, I think. March 13th. March 13th. Get signed up. That is your next step. No doubt about it. This personal thing, this personal decision to confess Jesus as Lord, it's something you need to proclaim to the people of faith that you're living with so that you can walk it out with them. You can't live out your faith in Jesus in isolation. Or you, go ahead, you can try, it's fine. But you'll learn that it doesn't work and then, then okay. If you've accepted the good news, so if you, if you already, Jesus is Lord of your life, you have a mission. Here's your mission. Share the good news. <laughs> and it's not complicated. It's really not. It's 
God loves you. He's forgiven all, like, he came for you. It's the John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his son. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. I don't know if you've got a picture of God. He's angry and frustrated at all your sin. He's angry and frustrated that you're stuck in sin, and he died on a cross to rescue you from that. He grieves that you'd be stuck and stay stuck when he came and offers salvation to all those who believe in him. If, if you love Jesus, your life, you get to embody the good news of Jesus' presence. He gives you himself, his spirit to live inside of you. So you are living in Christ. This is how the scripture talks about it. You're in Christ, carrying the good news wherever you go, in your workplace, in your family, with your friends, at the grocery store this afternoon, when you go buy discount shoes in Burlington, wherever you go, you're carrying the good news of Jesus. And the scriptures teach us that they'll know that you're the disciples of Jesus by the way you love one another. So let's love one another well and let's love our communities well in Jesus' name so that his kingdom advances, not ours. Amen. We stand as I pray and we close. Jesus, we... We are humbled to be in your presence this morning. We're humbled by your faithfulness and your goodness to pursue us, to keep showing up, to keep knocking, to keep asking, to keep offering yourself. So many times we turn away or we create reasons why it shouldn't work or why you shouldn't love us and you just keep showing up and extending grace. It's amazing grace. Lord, I pray this morning for those who are opening the door. Lord, thank you for salvation for redemption, that you're beginning a work today in many lives, a work to heal and mend what's broken, to make right what's crooked. And Or we ask uh, for the courage to keep our hearts soft and receptive to the work of your spirit. As we follow you and we trust you, we never want to leave a place of being on our knees, knowing that you're king. Show us what it looks like to live before you with a humble heart and with passion to share the good news of your love for the world. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.